that the children's sermon just sums it all up for us, that we could probably go home and get the real lesson for the day in the scripture, and we thank Renee for doing that for us today. Having grown up here at Dolphin Way, one of the things I would always focus in on, particularly when I was singing in the children's choir, was the stained glass window. And around the outside edges, the six tri the rectangular panels on the outside of each side of it talk about Matthew 25. And it always said to me that I was a member of a church that followed those scriptures, that we made every attempt to always have ministries that we as members could participate in that fulfilled the call of ministry that Matthew 25 set out before us. But I would also say, as you listen to the scriptures today with new ears, we tend to cut it off, don't we, and feel good about it. And yet at the very end, there are those words of real judgment. I think we would want to rewrite it if we could and maybe let it end with hope rather than those words of judgment. Or at least maybe put that part in the center somewhere instead of at the end. Because right at the end, we're just saying, you know, here's the real stickler. When was it that we did it? And then we say the word of God for the people of God. It would be easier to skip over that worst part of the parable if Jesus had not put it at the end. Instead, the worst part of the passage is lingering in our minds while we say, this is your word, God, and we're going to follow it. And we need to stop. We need to linger when there are things in the scripture that troubles us. It's a clue. It's a clue to us that when things we read in the Bible bother us, we should stay there for a little while and see what there is that it's telling us. That's good advice for studying the scripture. And it's good advice for almost everything else in life as well. It's good advice for driving, for when the trail gets muddy or when airport, or airport boulevard gets flooded, we need to slow down. We need to tap those brakes, make sure the tires are gripping. It might look clear on the other side, but it doesn't matter if you don't know how to get to the other side of that depth of water. It's a good advice in home repairs. How many of you use YouTube to repair things? I just fixed my, my uh, clothes washer by reading YouTube. But I would tell you, don't skim over YouTube. Watch it several times. Stop and pause and think through it and then turn it back on. And if you do that, you'll end up with a repaired washer or a beautiful set of shelves. It's very practical advice for everything else. It's also good advice to approach the most difficult teachings of Jesus, to stop, pause, and linger over them. Do not skip over the hard parts. You will find something beautiful on the other end if you take time. But you cannot hurry past the difficult words. You cannot ignore them. For what seems like the very worst parts may become the very best lessons for you if you let them. And in today's passage, the worst part is not that Jesus ends with words of judgment, because we all, ex we all accept judgment in our lives. We all know that we must learn to distinguish between what is good and helpful and life-giving from the things that are bad and destructive 
and death dealing. A lot of us are trying to accept to experience good judgment right now with our new year's resolutions, aren't we? We're trying to say, come on in to all the good things in life. And we're trying to say, depart from me those things that will do us harm, like that chocolate cake or that credit card debt or many other bad habits. Now, I hope you are not troubled by the fact that Jesus exercises judgment. It is right and good that Jesus is willing and able to say to us what is right and what is good. And in the end, there is no one else that I would want to take that job for me than the one who knows me the best and loves me the most. Now, what is troubling with the passage is what Jesus judges. At least it is troubling to most of us that are Protestants because we proclaim that we are saved by grace alone and through faith alone. And if we believe that, what may trouble us most is a clear picture that Jesus paints for us today when he will judge our actions. One day Jesus will say, I was hungry and you gave me food. And our minds start racing. Was that you at the stoplight, Jesus, the one with the cardboard sign? Was that you? I could have gone to the, AT, the ATM and gotten maybe a little cash out for you, but you know, I, I'm, I'm paying my tithe, and I'm helping my friend, and, and it probably would have taken me about 20 minutes to head over there and get the money. So, Jesus, I'm sorry. One day, Jesus will say, I was in prison, and you did not visit me. And we will wonder, how many visits are you looking for, Jesus? I did do a couple of times to the prison. I went to the graduation service. I did a little tutoring. How much credit do I get for that? It is good to serve God, who is a better judge than any person around us. But it is hard when we read the passage like today's scripture, and you wonder, how many times have I walked past him? How many times have we looked in people's faces and not realized it was him? How can we possibly feel safe and secure from the alarming possibilities that our actions and our inactions matter as much as our good intentions? These are the kinds of questions that we fear when we are afraid to talk about holiness. We are afraid of some impossible standard and afraid of discovering that we can never live up to it. And we are afraid of the burden that might come in knowing our actions have eternal consequences. Let's face it, last week was easier. When Michael talked about holiness last week, we focused inward. We talked about the spiritual disciplines and practices that keep us in love with God and help us to hang out in the right places where God will be. We celebrated that God is not contained in a single place and that God has promised that each of us is a holy temple and that God is with us wherever and whenever we worship in spirit and truth. The, the disciplines of prayer and presence, gifts, service, and witness, does that sound familiar? Those are your membership vows. Those of self-examination are wonderful things because they help direct us into a deeper, more loving relationship with Jesus. We don't need anyone or anywhere else. All we need is ourselves and a few other Christians to practice those disciplines. These inward disciplines 
are the places where God hangs out and gives us strength and healing to live by. But the reason we need strength is that we're called to go and do. The reason we are in need of healing is because God means for us to be moving about in a world where there are dangers and hurts. And for two weeks now, we have been saying that to be holy is to be made perfect in love. And this should be obvious, but let me remark this to you, share this with you. God cannot give you perfect love without giving you people to love. This is it. This is the most practical tip of all that we can give you on holiness. God cannot give you perfect love without giving you people to love. Real people, actual people, people you wouldn't love naturally. You know that it's good to do it, but in their imperfect ways of loving, it's hard to love all those that are around us. And so we're called to perfection in love because the one who loves perfectly is within us. God's desire is not only to give us strength and healing, God longs to give us purpose to our strength and purpose to our healing. If you think this is a hard word, try talking about Luke 14th at your next supper club meeting. You know, it's the one that says, you host a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your supper club people or your brothers, relatives, or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may invite you in return, and you will be repaid. But when you host a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and those who could not repay you. Those are some tough words, aren't they? Jesus realized that much of our good but imperfect love is really a way of loving ourselves. And please don't misunderstand. It is important for us to love ourselves. We're made in the image of God. The friends and your family who love you are made in the image of God also. This church community, think of it this way, is the body of Jesus. It is right and good and a joyful thing when we love ourselves well. But that love is not yet made holy. It is not yet perfect because perfect love multiplies. Perfect love goes out. Perfect love takes action. Perfect love goes looking for someone else who belongs but doesn't know it yet. Perfect love goes looking for someone who cannot worry about being somewhere and belonging with others until they know where their next meal is coming from. Perfect love goes out looking for one lost sheep when 99 are safe. Perfect love goes looking for one out of every hundred Alabamians who is in prison. Think about it. If we were a country, that would be the fifth highest rate in the world. Perfect love puts health and salvation to purpose because it's using the saving power of Jesus to follow Jesus wherever Jesus goes. And that, by the way, is the other practical advice I want to share with you today. When we take action, we are only following the leader. Hear that again. When we take action, we're only following 
our precious, lovely leader. Notice that Jesus says about the action in this passage. When we take these actions, feeding, clothing, visiting, blessing, we're drawing near to him. We are honoring him. We are serving Jesus. We are following our leader, Jesus, and the places that he has promised to be hanging out in. Notice what we aren't doing. We're not rescuing him. Jesus is still the Savior. But often we become frustrated when we try to take action beyond ourselves because we're trying to do the saving rather than being saved. When we come to the scriptures, we come to learn and to be shaped by God. When we practice our spiritual disciplines and habits, we do them to learn and be shaped by God, to fall in a deeper love relationship. And the same should be true in our approach to the acts of love in this world. We take action because it believe, we believe that it will bring us nearer to the heart of God. We act humbly, choosing to listen more than we speak so that we may learn and be shaped by God. And we don't do it just to prove that we're holy. Did you notice how surprised everyone was at the judgment scene in the scripture when Jesus described it? The ones on the right did not say, oh, thank God we did enough to get in. They did not say, I thought I was good. I had a really great case because I ran a really strong race there between 2009 and 2014. But I was afraid that you would deduct some points for me when I spent that $5 on that cup of coffee when right afterwards someone asked for spare change and I had none. That's not how it went. Instead, they said, we don't remember seeing you, Jesus. And the folks on the left did not remember ignoring you. Neither group recognized Jesus when they saw him. Neither group felt like they had done enough. And you don't have to worry about that either. We have heard it, and I will say it again, that you were never going to justify yourself. Christ has already done that for you. Neither group had it all figured out not the ones on the left or the ones on the right, but when those on the right looked back on their lives, the things they wanted most was more of Jesus. They were not proud of their actions. They were sorry that they had missed him. When do we see you, Lord? When do we serve you? Tell us, was that you all along? And those on the left looked back, and all they saw was themselves. When did we see you? When did we mess up? Tell us, what should we have done differently? Even at the very end, they could have chosen Jesus. They could have said, forgive us. They could have stopped trying to judge their place in the cosmic scale. They could have joined the folks on the right who only wanted to know Jesus, who had trained themselves long ago to look for him outside themselves. The folks on the right didn't always get it right, but in the end, they got the one that they truly longed for. Your actions, all of our actions, may be imperfect, but imperfect actions can lead to perfect love. Dear Lord, let it be.
May we pray. Lord, we're so imperfect, but we rely on you who is so perfect, so perfect in love. And we just ask every day that as we wake up, we look to you and we say, perfect one, show us your way. Help us to fall more in love with you every single day. We make this prayer in your name. Amen. It's a time in our service that we invite our ushers to come forward. And as they do, I just want to remind you of all the wonderful things. We have a ministry for every single area around that stained glass window that serve and reach out to those who need us the most. So your gifts and your tithes do this for us. Let us join as we call, sing our call to worship. Uh-huh.